Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Ramble, back again. And uh, this is the House of Ephraim show. Do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in this show. It's Mark Reinbolt. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in, in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois, out what we call lovingly the Corn Patch. And you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God and I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And, again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material. Not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service, and we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity, again, that all is. So, again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that. And you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call. 618-262-2810 and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deggert. The last day anointing. Now there's the omnipresence of God, and I want to speak about that for a moment and and be sure that we make sure that that, that we, we establish this point. The omnipresence of God is just simply that God is everywhere at the same time. All right? That, 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 that today, he's everywhere. He's, uh, he's not only here today and his presence here today, 
but he is also outside this room today. He's also uptown at the Walmart today. He's also in every whorehouse and crack house today. He is everywhere at the same time, omnipresence, okay, of God. Now, we speak about, and, and, and often do I think that, that we have times when we, we miss, we miss the mark simply by, simply by trying to, to, to understand or try to understand that we're in a service and people say, oh, wasn't that such an anointed service? Amen. We've all been in those, haven't we? And we've all said, oh my, that was a, an anointed service. Now, my question early on began to be very, I hope this doesn't distract you, me doing this, but uh, it's important we get this done. Uh, and my question has always been, what constitutes an anointed service? And I began for years to ask people, well, you know, I, I, it was a good service, but now, now what do you say a good service is? Now, through the years, uh, as I have documented this stuff, I have heard so many different things. We talked about the, the today and maybe even yesterday evening. Well, you know, a great song service constitutes the anointing. Okay, well, then, you know, for some people's estimation, I'm sure that's right. Well, Brother Deckard, what I think a great anointing is, is when people fall on the floor when they've been prayed for. As we say, uh, say uh, bless God, being, uh, being um, you know, going down in the Spirit. Uh, well, okay, that's fine. Oh, Brother Deckard, a real anointing is, is when God has them wave the flags, and they go around the room waving the flags, and and old Brother Decker, the great anointing is, bless God, when, when, you know, when they, when they dance and they get in the front of it and everybody dances in the church. And so it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. But what is the manifested anointing of God in a church service? What is that? What, it, what really does that mean? Is it all those things? Is it part of those things or is it none of those things? And through the years, I have been, I have been assured in and out of the Spirit, that bless God that we have had a lot of services that have had the omnipresence of God and not the manifestation of God. In other words, we have had people that have ministered. We have had the name of Yeshua, Jesus, used. We have had the, uh, the, the infillment of the Rahakadish, the Holy Ghost. We, we've had prayers. We've had this. We've had that. But bless God, let me tell you something about what the manifestation or the manifested presence of God really means. It's where God visits. And that's what it is. It's where God visits, where God Himself comes. We have had God come into these services. Now we've got, uh, we've got uh, tonight, uh, uh, today, tonight, and tomorrow, so we've got three more services, and I will guarantee you He's going to show up in every one of them. I can tell you, and I'll tell you why. You came, fasted three days, three nights, you had prayed, you came expecting God. God is never going to hold himself back from people that will do that. And today we're going to try to, to take you further into this thing. But you understand the anointing has come to all of God's movements. On the faces of every movement that God's had, he's had the manifestation of his spirit there. That anointing has been there. What is the manifestation? It's just, it's, just, it's just the anointing. It is the anointing of God. It is God. Come in. Let's go to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. It is God. Come in. It is God. Come in. 1 Samuel, the third chapter. So I think we've had a lot of people misunderstand. I think we've had a lot of people that bless God that have, uh, you know, that, that, that don't understand what that really is about. That I, that again, I hope this weekend that you leave here knowing exactly what it's about. First Samuel 3, first verse. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. All right, there was no open vision. And when it says that the, the uh, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days, God wasn't speaking. And when he did, it was far and few in between. Now, does that compare into this day? Well, we're told in the last days that we'll go to and fro looking, looking, looking for the word of God and been able to do what? Come to the fullness of the knowledge, but, you know, never been able to come to the fullness of knowledge, is the right way to put that, of God's, of God's intentions, of God's word. 
And it came to pass at the time when Eli was laid down in his place, and his eyes began to wax dim, that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out at the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep, that the Lord called Samuel and said, Here, and, and he answered, Here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here I am, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not, lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again Samuel, and Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. Please underline that in your Bibles. Please do that. Samuel was maybe the greatest prophet that ever walked the face of this earth. Maybe he was, if not one of the greatest. And the Lord called Samuel, the eighth verse, again the third time, and he said, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. In other words, he realized that. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if thou call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood and called at other times, as he called at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant, servant heareth. Now, we want to make sure that we're on the same page w- with this story about Samuel and the greatness of a prophet of which he was. That you understand, and when I had you underline the fact that, that Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. All right? Samuel, as great a prophet as he was, when God spoke to him, Samuel was so stupid that he didn't even know it was God. Please get on the same page with me now. One of the greatest prophets that walked the face of this earth, the first time God spoke to him, he didn't know it was God. Now, Samuel must have been real stupid. Either that, or we in the church, when we got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, and told, go home and pray, and whatever pops up in our mind. Now, no one said you will hear an audible voice of God. Whatever pops into your mind is God speaking. Now, how does that, how does that contrast with this thing of Samuel? Very simple. Samuel heard a voice. He did not understand the voice. Very simple. God spoke to Samuel. Samuel went to Eli and said, you, you call me. And Eli said, no, no, no. Finally, the third time, Eli said, oh, oh, oh wait a minute here. He said, uh, Samuel, the next time you just say, Lord, here I am. Speaking to thy servant. Samuel had not the foggiest idea what was going on. So what would make you and I, and what I'm trying to do here is to begin to show you how, again, you got duped. You were sitting in a charismatic or Pentecostal setting. No one was hearing the true manifestation of God's voice. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, we're going to try to talk somewhat about that small, still voice that seems to be guiding the entire church on the face of this earth today, which is more than just a little bit dangerous. All right? But what I'm trying to get you to understand, if one of the greatest prophets in this world that ever walked this earth didn't know the first time he heard the voice of God that it was God, then how in the world do you know when you got filled with the Holy Ghost, after being saved, that you went home and prayed, and you got done and got real quiet, and this voice that spoke to you was God? How did you know that? If Samuel didn't know that, how did you know that? Because, well, you're more spacer than Samuel? I dare to tell you you're not. But yet we grew up and came up in an age and a time when the voice of God was, the Word of God was precious. Let me tell you how precious the Word of God still is on the face of this earth. So precious that about 99.9% of the people that think that they're hearing the voice of God are definitely being led by a familiar spirit. It's not God. The voice of God is, a, is something to be learned 
L-E-A-R-N-E-D. Uh, write that in your notes and circle it. It is not something that is going to magically happen to you because you got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and you speak in another tongue. It does not work that way. It wasn't the intentions of God for it to be that way. That's the reason real prophets of God that really hear the same voice that Samuel hears knows how stupid all this thing gets. And I have watched the stupidity of it for 30 years and more. People trying to convince people like me that they're hearing God tell them what? Well, now, Brother Decker, God just told me today that I was to wear green shoes to church tonight. Well, Brother Decker, I was in the grocery store shopping, and, and we were going to have uh, we were going to have hamburgers. But God spoke to me and said, "No, no, my daughter, you need to be doing uh, doing bless God uh, lamb chops." That's how stupid this thing gets. You say, "Well, is God not interested in what I wear and and what I, honey? God gave you a brain; use it." Now it would be nice if He spoke to me because I can't seem to line up the right colors when I, you know. Donna say, they don't match. I say, why? I think she was glad when I decided the Lord said to wear sackcloth, and that's the reason I wear black. And that way it all matches, you know. <laughs> Sometimes I get the wrong black socks on, you know. I look down, I got one, one kind of black sock and one other kind of black sock. It happens. But Samuel did not know the voice of God. And yet somehow we believe that what? We believe that we got saved, filled the Holy Ghost, and we automatically now, we know the voice of God. Please, 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 please understand what I'm trying to tell you. We got duped. There's no way in the world to get filled with the Holy Ghost after being saved and start thinking that every time you hear a voice, well, after you get done praying, that it's God. If you believe that, you have broken every rule that the Word of God gives us for knowing, as a matter of fact, that an angel of darkness will, can, and does come as an angel of light. And because you said, well, now, wait a minute, the voice heard me, told me to go lay hands on the sick. Now, that's got to be right. Well, your mind is very active. How do you know, how do you know that wasn't your mind? You see, that's the reason we're going through this, these exercises of God sending this angel uh, the, the, and what will be tonight, two angels into the services. And so you can begin to understand. Some of you talked about you feeling, you feeling it run in your body. You felt when the angel would have touched you, it ran in your body. That's the anointing. That's when I know that God and I are about to get serious about something. And that has happened to me when I've been driven down the road. It's happened to me when I pray. But I'm going to tell you something, not every time do I pray, does that happen to me? Some of us out here today have had God speak to us so much that we have far surpassed any depth. If you, if you, took, the, if you took into your hands the, the book, of, the book of, of Jeremiah, and you, you just like I'm doing here, and all these pages that I've got here in my hand, that was a rendition of all of his anointed life and what he did for God. There are people on the face of this earth that have volumes of what this book called the Bible would be already of what God has told them to be doing, and some of them have only been saved, filled with the Holy Ghost five, six years. What's wrong with that? I'll tell you what's wrong with that. It doesn't work that way. Do you know that I don't have a vision every day? I don't have a vision every week. I don't even have a vision every month. The last vision I had was when the Lord God showed me Sharon, uh, 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 Prime Minister or uh, Sharon over in Israel in a coffin, and that's when He gave the land away. That's when I told when I told the, the, the rabbis, I said, anybody that gives the land away will die. I told Barak, the Prime Minister of Israel at that time, I told him that because I had the opportunity to meet him, and he looked at me and, and he said, they'll die, and I said, they will die. When Sharon gave the land away, the vision came, and it was an open vision. I saw him in a casket. I told Donna, I said, Sharon will, will, will die, or his political career will have died. He might as well be dead, and he may be dead today. Nobody knows that for sure. 
Israel doesn't want to give that up at least until after this election. If he is dead. But the fact of it is, now how long has that been? Well, whenever her well, back when Sharon was here. Now, <clears throat> what does that mean? That I'm not hearing from God? No. <coughs> Excuse me, no. What that means is that I can't make the visions appear. See, I have said, and I've said to, 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 to at this point, a number of, of ministry that, that is in limelight. You, you know, when you're in the limelight, then you, you have to understand something that you would get tired if there was 10,000 of you here. I couldn't, and I had to be here every week in front of 10,000 of you, you, or 10 of you, of course, that's concerned. You, you would get tired after, after maybe three or four months of hearing about the visions that I've had. You get tired of hearing that. And rightfully so, because there's more to ministry than just talking about the visions that God give you, the dreams, or anything else. Now, what are we going to do if, in fact, the visions that I have has drawn the people? And, that, and, that's, and that's the core reason why people came. Well, then that puts me under a great amount of stress, doesn't it? If I want to keep the money coming in the plates, which most of them do, then I'd better come up with some visions, hadn't I? Come on, folks, I'm telling you the truth. And it's time that the church knows that the, 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 the you know, the, the, the gag's up. You can't, you can't, you can't control and do the things that they're doing because they don't happen like that. You don't, you don't have, I, you know, I, I'm right now around some people that are having a dream about every other week. And I'm here to tell you, it don't work that way. It doesn't work that way. My Lord and my God, it can't work that way. And God doesn't intend for it to work that way, alright? So, 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 so what does that bring? The, the entirety of it? Well, it brings it very simply to this. That we have to be, again, understanding when God moves upon us. You gotta know when God moves upon you, because when God moves upon you, that is when God is definitely going to speak to you. Now, how is He gonna do that? Well, that's part of why we're here this weekend is to try to help you to determine how God is going to speak through to you. Is He going to speak through dreams, visions, open visions, closed visions? Is He, is He, bless God, going to speak to you in an audible voice? But the thing that I really, 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 really want to get across tonight, that if you have to depend on that little still voice, be careful. Be careful. Be so careful about it that you'll just Put it aside. Don't get yourself in a place or start spouting your mouth off because you thought you heard this little voice of your uh, behind your head or in your head or in your heart or standing behind you somewhere. Say something. What you need to do with those small, still voices. Now, let me let me clarify. Does God speak to people through that? Yes, He does. But when you start dealing with major things. And when I'm talking about major things, I'm talking about things that, bless God, that will alter the lives of people, of nations, of kingdoms, then you better have more to go on than a little small voice that said something to you. That's where people get in trouble. That's where I keep saying about a lot of these guys that are running around here being prophets, and they get in the, they get in the, some of the limelight, and then they get running their mouth off, and they give about 15 things that are going to happen in the year 206. And bless God, now when those things don't happen in 206, what I'm waiting to see is what somebody's going to say or do about it, because they're not going to all happen. Maybe none of them is going to happen. But yet we got people running around here making making statements such as that, that bless God, that sometimes in this year, now this year what, we're in the fourth month, sometime during 06, we're going to lose electricity in this country, and it's not coming back on for a year. Don't get real quiet, because some of you have been to hear this dude. And you better hear me. Unless this plague's coming, that's not happening. And I'm here as the prophet that I am to tell you that that's not going to happen. So the fact of it is, where are we at? Did we really hear? Did that man really hear? Or was he in a position that, oh, I'm in the limelight, now listen to what else I've got to say? I don't know, but I'm going to tell you like I tell them all. Time will tell. He shot his mouth off. Now, let's you and I sit back and find out what's going to happen. But I wouldn't want to put all my eggs in one basket and, 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 and bless God, lose my ministry over some statement that I made that I didn't have. Do you know what you hear me say if you've been around me at all? 
When I have the open vision, you can take it to the bank because it's going to happen. Not one in 30 years has ever not happened or in the process. Enough of them has happened that the ones of us... That's what I said with this thing with the plague. I wouldn't bet against this horse. After 30 years and none of them falling to the ground, you think this is going to miss? Not by a long shot. Not by a long shot. Now, when I don't know and I suspect something, I'll make some kind of a light thing out of it saying, now, this is a Thomas 1-1. You know, this is what I believe. This is the reason I, I think you could take this, you could place that over there and make some sense. Did I have the vision for it? No. And I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that it's an honest guess. And then, bless God, that's the best I can do. And if that didn't suit you, well, don't let the door hit you in the backside on the way out. I don't know what to tell you. But the fact of it is, I'm not going to mess the ministry up after 30 years because I feel like that you're pressing me to impress you. I've got a God to stand before, to answer to. And the God that I stand before, you don't mean hoot in the difference of what you think of me and what he's going to judge me to be. And that's the attitude that you and I are going to have to have about this thing. And that's one of the problems that we got that, that bless God, I'm not sure we're ever going to get by. So we got Eli, and we're coming into this thing, and, and, and with Eli, and then you have to understand something. I mean, with Samuel and with the, the situation with Eli. All right. Now Eli was what? Well, he was he was the he was the prophet. He was the priest. And the Lord said in the eleventh verse to Samuel, "Behold, I will do a thing in Israel, at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. In that day I will perform. Now listen against Eli." All things which I have spoken concerning his house, which I begin, I will also make an end. <laughs> does God set up kingdoms and does God destroy kingdoms? Yes. Does the Lord God, bless God, set up ministry and the, does the Lord God destroy ministry? Well, I don't think so, Brother Decker. Be careful now. Well, that's Old Testament. Well, hang on. Hang on here. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth. See, Eli knew there were some things going on that shouldn't be there because his sons, here it is, made themselves vile and he restrained them not. He didn't do a thing about them. Now listen to me, preachers. You can't get your children in line. Don't you worry about God getting you in a position to do anything. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Don't you misunderstand me because I'm telling you the truth. If you can't handle your children, then don't you think you're going to handle any God's people because you're not going to do it. And I don't know how many preachers I've told, how many wives of preachers I've told, that your ministry first is your children. And after you get your children raised, you may have something. Until then, you raise your children and your ministry is at home. Do it. And Samuel... No, I'm sorry, therefore... And therefore, 14th verse, I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. And Samuel lay until the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. He didn't want to tell him. He was afraid to tell him what he saw. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, Here am I. And he said, What is the thing that the Lord has said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God did so to, to thee, and more also, uh, if that thou hide anything from me, all of all the things that he said unto thee. And Samuel told him every, every whit, and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord, let him do what seemeth him, him good. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him. And did let none of his words fall to the ground. You need to underline that. Samuel grew, and the Lord let none of his words fall to the ground. And all of Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. Now, I think, I think the neat thing, well, let me go, I need another verse here. I need another verse. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. So it wasn't the first or the last time that he revealed himself. Sometimes it's hard to give what God gives you. Now there's two kind of people that I find out here in all this, this mess that we've got, called a church and or otherwise whatever. We have one group of people that bless God, that, that, that have either are prophets or have prophetic fervor. 
Now, there's a difference, but you can have a prophetic fervor and not be a prophet. Any time you're in a church where there's not a prophet, the manifestation of the spirit of a prophet can manifest himself within that congregation, it should. All right? Often mistaken that that one to be a prophet. Again, prophets are ordained, as we, I think we can establish from the foundation of this world, but there can be a prophetic fervor in people, all right? But but what what is needed to understand uh, uh, about all this kind of stuff is that the key is that one group of people, and I know some some people that call themselves prophets, that their calling is to go into someone's church, other than where they attend, and find a spot where they can stand up and say, "Thus saith the mouth of God in judgment against this church and you, pastor." Does anybody know anybody like that but me? Surely you. Well, sure we do. Sure we do. And that seems to be their calling, to go around and, and straighten everybody out. I think we, we talked a little bit about that last night, about the way the Lord said first to get what? The telephone out of your eye before you worry about getting that little speck of whatever that is out of somebody else's eye. I think we talked about that, didn't we? The fact of it is, we're, you're not called to go into churches and straight churches out. Do you want to know something? In 30 years, I have never been in a church service that I was not in authority in that pulpit where I ever stood and ever said God said anything. Thirty years. Thirty years. I've never done that. I've never been in a church service and, and found the time, even when pastors have said, Brother Deckard, you, you, you have something that God would want you to say? I said, no, not a thing. Not a thing. Nope. Nope, I'm not in authority. You are. Go right ahead. And yet we've got people going around. Then you have the other side of the gauntlet. Then you got the people that receive things like Samuel received that would rather take a licking with a big stick than to have to say to somebody what it is that God's telling them. Do you know how you can tell if what it is that you got from God, whether you need to give it to somebody or not when it's a hard word? If you want to give it to them, you're wrong. You're wrong. Why? Because your heart's not right. Your heart, you see, see, the way that, the way that you, the way that if you want to get back to somebody, the Bible teaches us you get, you be, get nice to them, be nice to them, and you do what? You stack coals of fire upon them. You don't judge them, you don't go and say, thus saith the mouth of God, to this, that, that, and everything else. That's not, that's not what this is about. So, so we have the two sides of the gauntlet. We have the group that won't go say anything, like Samuel didn't want to. And then we have this other group over here that's loose on both ends, and boy, they can't wait to go out here and butcher somebody with us saith the word of God. So there's a balance in it, and, and you have to find the balance. But I'm going to tell you something, that's all of it is. You, you, you know, uh, uh, when you don't give what God gives you, number one, you're dishonoring God. And that's going to get you in trouble, all right? So you have to get in that position to do it. But again, if you want to do something, you better, excuse me, you better be very careful. You have to choose between between public approval and the anointing. That's what you got to do. You got to make a choice. Am I am I in this thing for public approval? Let's see. I better come up with a new vision because these people are going to you know there's few of them quit showing up. So I'm going to have to come up with a. I got to come up with something, Lord. Come on, let's say the Lord about something. Well, let's see. What would it be? Maybe I'll watch TV and come up with something on TV. Maybe I'll read a book or something. And then we get in trouble. When you start down that road, there's no return from that road. Why? Because you've dishonored God. Now you're now you're saying things that God said to give that that wasn't God. Now let me tell you something. One of the commandments is 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 not to speak the Lord's name in vain. Now you know what I grew up believing that was. I grew up believing that was using the Lord's name as a cuss word. And maybe you did too. I I don't know. But see, I didn't know for years that it simply means this. Don't you be saying God said something if God didn't say it. Well, that got quiet, didn't it? Don't you be doing that. Don't you use God's name. Don't you, don't you blame God on running your mouth off about something unless God said it. One of the Ten Commandments. You don't use the Lord's name in vain. And yet at the same time, we run around and we just, we're, we're so loose mouthed about God said this and God said that and God's this and God's that. It's like I said, dear God in heaven, when it's all over, they're gonna, they're gonna have to have two books the size of the Bible just to get into what you said God said. 
And yet, let's see in all that, what would be the power of the move of the anointing that you'd have to put into those scriptures? You never saw anybody raised from the dead. You never saw any blind eyes open. Let's see. You never gave, left any signs that came to pass to any kings, queens, presidents, or prime ministers in the land. You never held back tornadoes. You never caused a, a floods to come or to go or droughts to come or to go. But you, you had all this, God said this and God said that. Folks, let's get real. And that's what I'm trying to say. There is more to being a prophet than just saying God said, and somebody decides because you said God said and something happened that you become a prophet of God. That's about as far as being a prophet of God as the door that you came through this morning when you came into the service. It's being God. It's not. And neither is that. Making you a prophet. So, so we, we, the, 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 the acknowledgement, the acknowledgement which we're, we were coming to, we, we talked a little bit about it last night, was simply the fact when the prophets of God are told by God to anoint, to pour the oil, the anointing oil upon the person, then that's what that's all about. If you've never been anointed, if you've never been anointed by a prophet of God to be a prophet, and the prophet that you was anointed by best really have been a prophet, then you're not, you're not going to walk into that prophetic place. You're not going to do that. And I'm going to show you that that's the way it was always done, and that's where we're returning to. See, there has got to be some way to control all of this bunk that's gone on and is going on. Just because somebody goes to the service and gets this tingling inside, and hears this little small voice say, you're a prophet of God. And let me tell you what else is worse. Does anybody remember last night me saying, or maybe this morning, I forget which, me saying that one of the things about why you can't go get the tapes um, uh, on some of the stuff that you might have heard me do in another city, for those of you that are here from other cities, that, and, and, and you'll hear, come back and say, well, that doesn't sound like what you did at all there. I mean, you used the scriptures, but it was different. Every anointing is different. Every, and while I'm here today, I'm answering questions as I'm ministering this word that's in some of you that I'm reading that, see, God, there's part of the, 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 the facet of the anointing that's in this prophet, that I understand the questions that are coming out of uh, most of your hearts. And I'm able to answer a lot of those things just because I'm reading that, and I'll stop and take time, and I'll, 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 I'll take to something, I'll go over here with it, and you're going, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense, that works for me. I think of one sister, you were saying, somebody was talking about how they was in a meeting with me, and, and bless God, everything was being answered that she had looked for for years to be answered. Well, that, that's what it's about. That's the reason I keep saying, you can't get this on, on CD. See, I'm sorry, you, there are you people that are going to be listening to this, and there will be people that's going to order it and listen to it. You can't get the visitation of these angels on the CD. Don't be, don't be calling me or emailing me saying, well, I listened to the CD. I'm saying I'm getting a commercial in. And bless God, the, the angels appeared. Uh, because they did. Uh, you, you, uh, just don't write to me and tell me that. I just do not have to get my blood pressure up over, over somebody being that stupid, but... Uh, seemingly, we got we you know we we get that happening. Okay, now you have to walk in His presence to make His anointing known. Now we talked about that, and you have to realize that you can't want public uh, you can't you gotta you want the anointing more than public opinion, okay, or public approval. But you have to walk in His presence to to make His anointing known. You have to. Let's go to Ezekiel 44, the book of Ezekiel 44. God knows exactly where He's going. He knows exactly, exactly how He's going to get us there. I think, I think the key is somehow in all this, we have, we have been given some bad report. In other words, we, we've been given some bad information. We've been given some information of just simply saying, now look, here's what you do. You, you're saved. Now you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Now you just listen now. And that voice that speaks to you, that's God. Well, like I said, when I did that, and I got home, and I, I've long since forgot for sure what it was, but I've used, well, I heard him say, I could hear somebody say, go get a hamburger. Well, that, that, that yeah, even I was smart enough. No, that wasn't God. Now, 44, the ninth verse. Thus saith the Lord God, no stranger uncir uncircumcised in heart nor uncircumcised in flesh shall enter into my sanctuary of any stranger that is among the children of Israel. And the Levites that are gone away far from me when Israel went astray, which went astray away from me after their idols, they shall even bear their iniquity. Yet they shall be ministers in my sanctuary, having charge at the gates of the house and ministry to the house. 
They shall slay the burnt offering and the sacrifice of the people, and they shall stand before them to minister unto them, because they ministered unto them before their idols, and caused the house of Israel to fall into iniquity. Therefore have I lifted up mine hand against them, saith the Lord God, and they shall bear their iniquity, and they shall not come near unto me. Now what is, what is sin going to do? It's going to keep you from God. Isn't that what he's saying? To do the office of a priest unto me, nor to come near to any of my holy things in the, uh, in the most holy place, but they shall bear their shame and their abominations which they have committed. Now, now, now that, 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 that's kind of, that's kind of strange stuff, but, but this is what he's saying here. He said, if you're, they're into this kind, they're into sin, he said, they're not going to come near to me. Now see, that goes back to this holiness thing that I keep punching at. The, the, the key is to understand you're not going to get near to God. So now, now, now let's stop and think about this for a minute. Now, if, if in fact, now you're saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, all right, and you've done this praying, you've got this little voice that's saying to do all this stuff, and yet you know somewhere in your heart that you've got hmm, jealousy, and somewhere in your heart you've got some hatred, somewhere in your heart you've got some unforgiveness. Let's say somewhere in your heart you've got lust, men for some women, women for some men. Well, I think I'll just whip on over here because i got the Holy Ghost now. The voice said, enter in, enter in, son, enter in. And you what? You think God just told you to go down to the first street uh, church of the righteous and stand in there and prophesy? You really believe, you really believe that God does that? Well, really don't believe that because He really doesn't. That isn't, that isn't, that isn't the prerequisite of getting you into the, into the place where, where God, God said, God said that they're not going to come, they're not going to come into me. They're not going, they're not going to come near into me. The 14th verse says, I will make them keepers of the charge of the house for all the service thereof and for all that shall be done therein. But he said, they're not going to come near me. Now, in other words, that them preachers can go about doing everything they're doing, but they're not going to come near me. If you're not going to come near me, you can't hear from him. Okay? Let's go to 20. Let's skip over here to, to 23 and 24. And they shall teach my people the difference between the holy and the profane. Who shall? The ministry shall. You see, you see that the, the key to this thing? You have to be taught the difference between the holy and the profane and cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. We have to teach you to, to discern. You have to be, to, you have to be able to discern whether that's a familiar spirit that's come upon you. You have to understand that. You can't be dumb enough to go out here and trust yourself to believe because you're saved and filled with the Holy Ghost that every time you hear a voice inside your noggin, it's God. You can't do that. Not, and be on track with God, you can't. Now you may try to do that and think that, that, that bless God, that, uh, that, that, that somehow it's gonna work, but it doesn't work. 24, and in controversy they shall stand in judgment, and they shall judge in according to my judgment, and they shall keep my laws and my statutes and all mine assemblies, and they shall hallow my Sabbaths. And that's what the Lord God is saying. They see that they're going to keep what? The law? They're, 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 they're going to hallow his Sabbaths, okay? And there again, that leaves out what? That leaves out the church, doesn't it? They that teach my people the difference between the clean, the holy, the unholy. The clean, the unclean. That's the, that's the key. That, that, that's what the ministry is doing. Let's go to, let's go to Second Timothy. Let's go to Second Timothy. Well, God, God's got this, God's got this plan. And even though we have gotten ourselves off track, what God's plan is, is to do what? Is to bring us back on track. Okay? Second Timothy 2, we're going to start in 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, number one. And let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity, two. Okay, now let us stop. Number one, he knows who's his. Now you know that you know and I know that if you have been, uh, got yourself, uh, 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 have found him as your Lord and Savior, that bless God that you're his, okay? You have that seal, all right? And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity, depart from sin. Again, you know, Brother and I had a bit of a conversation here at lunch about the fact that the gal that came and 
you know, that ended up having a, needing to be delivered of a, of a, of a, of an unclean spirit, a demon, a devil, however you want to say that. And she was saved filled with the Holy Ghost. A lot of the church believes, again, that once you're, once you're saved, that the blessed God, that you're sealed for eternity, spirit, uh, soul and body. And that's just not the truth. And the, the way you can show that very quickly is the fact that, bless God, that when you're saved, if even filled with the Holy Ghost, then why are those unclean thoughts in your noggin? Okay? Your flesh, your mind can carry unclean spirits. Your spirit man can't. Your spirit man has been sealed by God through the blood of His Son for eternity. That's what's happened. But you have a problem still with your mind. You have a problem still, still with, 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 with uh, bless God, um, uh, your body being able to carry, uh, bless God, unclean spirits. Now, um, it, it simply, uh, uh, I, I suppose, brought to this this point of, of realization is that 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 you you have an opportunity to understand that the law was given to us to let us walk through that stuff, gave us rules and regulations, if you will. Don't do this. Don't do that. Okay, and 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 we can do that. Most of which, if we'll keep if we'll keep the the covenant, bless God, that we will be uh, will eliminate the unclean spirits uh, or the, or those things of sin anyway out of our lives. Yes, because we will look and search for uh, forgiveness and deliverance, and it will be that. He goes on to say in verse uh, twenty, but in in, gra- in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some of honor and some dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor. Purge himself from what? From iniquity. Sanctified and meant for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Now, now, now understand that if in fact he is going to purge himself from this stuff, then he's going to do what? He's going to be, he's going to be uh, 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 ready for the master's use. But until you are purged, you're not ready for the master's use. And being purged, brothers and sisters, is not receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and being baptized in the Holy Ghost, the Rahakadish. That isn't being purged. Being purged means to drive the sin out of your life. That's what that means. There again, that you see there was a time with the temple that, bless God, that once a year when the blood was taken in to pour upon the mercy seat for the forgiveness of sins of the people, that the priest went in to the Holy of Holies. And if there was any sin in his life, he died. And anybody went in to get him died. Now, do you think God is serious about coming into the holy place with him with sin? You see, everything that God has done is for an example, or an example, or an example, however you want to put that. The Bible puts an example. But for an example for you and I to learn by. If the priest couldn't go into the Holy of Holies, in the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, and with sin, then what makes you think that you and I can go into the throne room of God with sin? Now listen, the only thing that keeps you from dying is Yeshua. He is the only reason. If not, I'm going to tell you what, I would be up there doing handsprings today because about 99% would be dead and gone. Again, Jesus wouldn't have come, would he? Amen? But the key is to realize that because the Lord, Yeshua, has come, become the perpetuation for our sin, then, then bless God, if we get into the throne room, we don't have to die. But what we don't understand is, because we don't die, doesn't mean that God's going to do something with us and for us. No, He's not. That's the reason that, that, that when Paul began, when Paul, when Timothy here, or, I'm sorry, Paul began to exhort Timothy about this, what he was telling him was, he said, he said, if therefore purge himself from these, these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meant for the master's use, and prepared for every good work, not just every one, one or two. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call the Lord out of a pure heart. So right there is the prerequisite of you being able to enter in, enter into the throne room of God, and being able to do what? Get something done. Now, if that stuff is in your life, you are a joke. 
trying to get in there to do anything. It's kind of like I said, a lot of people just need to get out of the way. They're cluttering up the phone room. They're going in, and there's nothing going to happen because they've never gotten the junk out of their life. And if the junk doesn't come out of your life, you're not going to get in to do anything. Now, how many? I don't know how many people have heard preaching like this, but I'm a holiness preacher. Have been ever since the first day I ever walked in a pulpit. Prophets, prophets come against sin. Prophets know what, what has to take place for you to get into that throne room. We know what it is. And we know what a joke it is for people thinking they got there. You know, for a real prophet that does this stuff, and I, I travel in these cities, and I minister, and here comes the healing line. Here comes the line of people to come. Here these people come. Some people wanting to be, the, you know, this, that, and all these things. And all this stuff going on, I'm going, dear God in heaven. And these people think that they're coming into a place with you, Lord, that you're hearing what the, God's not hearing a thing that you're saying. Not even, not even close to hearing what you're saying. He can't. Because you've defiled a living God. There is no sin into the kingdom. That's the reason God said, be you holy as I'm holy. He said, I'm a holy God. You cannot enter in without being holy. Now, if in fact being saved was all you needed, what in the world was Paul doing to preach into Timothy like this? Because he knew something, didn't he? Notice how he said to Timothy, because remember Timothy was young. Remember the second, the first sentence, the first verse of that second chapter says, Thou therefore my son, hmm? He was, he was, he was his protege, if you will. And he says that, he said, if we also youthful us, get all those, get all those hormones in control. That's what he's saying. And bless God did at the same time, we, we got ourselves into the thing of thinking because we become Christians somehow now, and the blood that Yeshua shed now somehow, not only, sure it gives us access to the throne room without dying. And thank God that it does. But the fact of it is, folks, you still have to be clean when you get in there to be asking what you want to receive it. That's the reason God honored the words of Elijah is because they, they walked clean before him. At that point, they didn't have the, they didn't have the blood of Yeshua because he had not come yet. The difference of where they walk and where I walk, we, well, I have the blood, you have the blood of Messiah, Mashiach. But the fact of the matter is, bless God, that we can't over, we can't misuse that. We can't misunderstand that. And you have to realize again that, bless God, that, 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 the, the whole thing behind whether or not God, okay, now whether or not God, and, and, and gets Himself involved into our lives is up to us. It's not up to Him. He, He wants involved in your life. He intends to be involved in your life. The problem is that, bless God, He can't get involved in your life until you clean your life up. He's not going to make you come clean. See, there's not anything I can do here today to cause you to come clean before God. The only thing I can do is pray that the Rahakadish, the Holy Ghost, will convict you and get you to come to a place where you understand that this prophet is being truthful to you. Now listen to why I know I'm right. If I was wrong, you'd be raising the dead. You'd be seeing blind people see. You'd be seeing the lame people walk. But you're not. The reason you're not is because you missed, you missed the point. You missed what God was saying. You missed what God was saying all the way over in the Old Testament because we were told the Old Testament would now is nothing but history to us. I believe he said, uh, the words that I speak here, that the, the law is, is life or death, blessings or cursings. That's what he said, wasn't it? Now let's go to Hebrews, the sixth chapter. And, and, and this again, is part of what this is about. Chapter 6 of Hebrews. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on into perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of the faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and laying on of hands and a resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. You know what he was saying? We've preached all that junk long enough. Let's get into the the, the depths of, of God. Let's get into the depths of Christ. Now, do you believe that we're still in into the repentance of dead works, the faith toward God? Yes, we are. Doctrines of baptisms? Yeah, we're still arguing about baptisms. What about the laying on of hands? Absolutely. What about the resurrection of the dead? Of course. And of eternal judgment? Absolutely. Now, if, if in fact the writer of Hebrews, which I've 
I believe, and most theologians agree that it probably was Paul, because it writes like Paul. But the, the fact of it is, folks, no matter who wrote it, somebody understood something. We need to leave the principles of the doctrines of Christ. Whoa! 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 Listen now, that's my way. You know when them alerts come on TV about having storms and something? That's just my little alert to tell you here's some, something prophetic. We're being told here to leave the doctrine, the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Do you want me to give you maybe the deepest piece of revelation prophetically that you're going to receive this weekend about the Word of God? This writer is telling us that it's time to get away from this stuff of believing that bless God because He come, that we don't have to be concerned about, about uh, bless God the covenant, about those things of the Father. Because why? Because see, we have built, we have built the Christian church on what? Upon the doctrine of Christ. Somebody shake your head, folks. I'm not, I'm not up here just to be blowing hot air out across there because I've got nothing else to do. The, the, we, uh, we're being told that we're to get away from the things. And what, what is the doctrine of Christ? Well, bless God, the doctrine of Christ, bless God, was, was, was just what he was coming back here about, about faith toward God, about dead works, about repentance. He said, get away from those things. About the doctrine of, of baptisms, the laying on of hands, and of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. He said, we need to get on, we need to come into perfection. We can't come into perfection without the Father. We can't do that. Even though, even though the church is convinced that the perfection was His Son. And I long since have said that the Son did not take over the business and the Father retire. That wasn't what happened. He is still there. He's still upon the throne. And He's still running the show. Okay? And, and, and we can't seem to understand those things, but it's high time that we did. Now, uh, you gotta to realize too that, that, that in all this, God is what? He's not changed. He's the same. Let's go to 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, 12th verse. For we dare not make ourselves of a number uh, or compare ourselves with some that, that, that comprehend uh, or, or commend themselves. But this, they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. But we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure, as though we reach not unto you, for we are come as for as to you also to preaching the gospel of Christ. Now, 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 what is he saying? We're not reaching out past the anointing that's in our lives. Paul said, I'm not reaching out past the anointing that's in my life. We're coming to you with, with what's there. We're not manufacturing anything. We're not trying to, we're not, I'm not trying to make ourselves something that we're not. And yet at the same time, we begin to listen to a lot of this stuff that's going on and, and there's people manufacturing themselves. You know how I know that? I travel enough in, or did travel enough in the third world that I happen to come into a lot of these countries, a lot of these nations where some of our big time evangelists that if I was to start mentioning names, there's not a person in this room wouldn't recognize the names, have gone into and held big-time revivals, big-time meetings. And I go in, and I find out that, 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 bless God, that they people gathered and stoned the hotel where they were staying. And I say, why? And they said, because they promised that there would be miracles and healings and there wasn't any. Hey, thank you so much, Prophet Deckard. Again, you can get a hold of us at the website, www.jewishprophet.com, and you can find out, again, all this material that you're hearing taught every day, every week. Folks, you want to get out there and start taking a look at that and start ordering that material, because you need to get a hold of that and start to apply that into your life so that it will change your life. You know what? You can also email your prayer request to cradle at jewishprophet.com. We'll be praying for your prayer requests. Shalom until tomorrow. And remember, with God, all things are possible. Thank 